This is an ABC podcast. Shall we bang on? Sure. Yeah, let's do oh, it. Let's bang on. Bang. Hang on. G'day. Hello. Hello, Zan. Are you sleepless in Adelaide right now? Have you had a big I night? I am. <laughs> I didn't have a big night. I had two champagnes. We opened last night in Adelaide. Yeah, I only had two champagnes after the show, but I haven't had much sleep because, you know, girls got to still get up and uh, walk the dog before she comes in to do bang on. And it's half an hour later because of the time difference. So I haven't had much sleep. I Are you jet lagged? Is that what you're saying? I am a little bit. I am. I feel. I feel jet lagged. Yeah. Um, opening nights are always a buzz, though. Even though we've been doing the show for a while, it's always different. And last night was even more different because Richard O'Brien, who is the person who actually wrote the entire Rocky Horror, was there, and I shared the narrator's duty with Richard, which was pretty extraordinary. So, and it was just so special, you know, to be in the orbit of someone living their best life essentially has this sort of childlike approach to the world and enthusiasm and all of the things that I guess you want to take with you from observing how to be when you get to 81. Um, I'm pretty impressed, to be honest. There's just a, a real sense of sense of joy about the world and openness and 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 also gratitude. Mm. So it's actually been really lovely to hang out with Richard. Really really lovely. And, and you got to actually inspiring. share the narration duties as well. So you, how did you divvy it up in terms of what you were doing last night? Yeah, they do the the bread and I do the filling. So I'm the ham. <laughs> I'm the ham. Richard is the ba- <laughs> Richard's the bap roll to your ham and cheese. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love a bap. <laughs> no, you the dusting bap. of flour on a bap. <laughs> Soft bap. <laughs> what a great word. Actually, bap. if it was a bap, it would be roast chicken, a bit of hot shook from a bag, and a bit of lettuce yeah, oh, and a totally. bit of, and a bit of mayonnaise. So you were the hot totally. shook lettuce and mayonnaise to Richard's bap last night. And what a That's beautiful right. feast that would have been for everyone in the audience. <laughs> amazing. So we've got one more show with Richard tonight and look at yeah, it's just a it's it's a dream come true. Who would have thought at my age doing something like this and with somebody like that who's an absolute legend and and I just said to them really quietly um thank you. Thank you for writing this 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 music and and this this theater production that's given so many people such great joy over the years. Yeah. Well, you talked about And that's all you can say. You talked about gratitude of, of Richard having gratitude. I've seen you have a lot of gratitude over the last few weeks doing Rocky Horror, so it's beautiful to see and I'm so glad that you, this continues to be a rollicking adventure for you in another city. I have gotten a bunch of emails from people who have offered to walk Viv, by the way, in Adelaide. Oh, some thank dog you. Walkers from the bank As box. it's worked out, I've found a dog park near me and I'm very happy and the situation is I can go between the theatre because everything's so close in Adelaide. It's literally five minutes to my house, so I, it's not a, it's not an issue to get back and walk Viv. Um, I just I just go home. And, and there's no traffic in, in between shows. No traffic. And there's no traffic. It's the best. I know that I some Adelaide, Adelaide Bank fam are going to be like, yeah, there's traffic, but I'm sorry, there is no traffic. It's, it's, <laughs> good, it's good times, very good times. Very wide streets in Adelaide and lots of room to move around in them. So beautiful, so beautiful. We have a lot of emails coming through in the last couple of weeks. I don't want to read out all of them, but I do want to highlight a couple from the Bang Box because we've been talking about a lot of big things um, and silly things on Bang On recently. And last week we were talking about Therapy Speak, which I got a lot of responses from, that great article mm. in Bustle about Therapy Speak and just how it kind of you know 
possibly is making us a little bit selfish in the way that we apply it without having uh, any kind of degree or understanding of what those terms mean. Jules, who's actually a long-term counsellor, emailed us in the bang box and she said, my response to this is that people are using jargon previously experienced only with corporate speak. Exclusive language Mm. is used by vulnerable people trying to grab back power and take control of their life. Language is a very powerful tool. So in that way, it can be a negative but also a positive, I think. But then Jules says, as mentioned, skilling up in a new lingo which emphasises boundaries, limits, choices and expectations is not a licence to indulge in mean, cold, fuckwit behaviour. I see this a lot. I am quick to challenge clients and explain the need for humanity and empathy around their personal decision-making. The boot on the other foot expression was invented for a reason. In other words, would you like it? if that happened to mm. you. So thank you, Jules. And also Alex responded to the piece that we were talking about, about watching free-to-air TV and the joys of that. Thank you for the joy you bring to the end of my week, says Alex. Absolutely love Bang On. And I had to chime in on the conversation around broadcast TV. I've got two reflections. I bloody love watching a movie on the telly on a Saturday night. You're almost yes. certain to find either Austin Powers, number three with Beyonce, <laughs> Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> Apollo 13, Miss Congeniality 2, or one of the Lord of the Rings films. My favourite part is how the space between ads gets shorter and shorter as the movie goes on and I end up going to bed around midnight after watching a two-hour film that is stretched to five. Absolute <laughs> truth. Absolute truth, yes, Alex. Yes, yes. Uh, and the second thing that Alex said was, my seven- and three-year-old children cracked the absolute shits on a holiday we had where there was no smart TV. When an episode of Peter Rabbit came on instead of another episode of Bluey, I never felt as old. When out of my mouth came, this is what TV was like when I was a kid. You'll leave. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the parental version of suck it. (laughs) And also suck it. You'll leave. The brutal understanding that we will all become our parents and that is a given. So thank you to Jules, to Alex, to everyone who emails the Bang Box. We read them all. I love our Bang fam. They're so fun. Absolutely beautiful community. Um, And we have lots of silly things to talk about this week, kicking off with a new addition to Neighbours. It's coming back. The cameras have started rolling on Neighbours Mark II back in Erinsborough with a handful of your favourite Neighbours characters, but also a surprising addition this week, Miv. Did you see the news? Misha Barton. <laughs> Misha Barton. I haven't heard that name since 2005. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where's she been? What's she been up to? I, I didn't look into it. I just was surprised by it. She's coming in as an American who moves into Erinsborough because, that, of course, where would you go? Sydney, Melbourne, Perth. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm going to Erinsborough. I'm going to go and hang out at Lassiter's because um, Lassiter's is the place to be. Well, and and so Mish is going off to Edinburgh and I, I don't know what the rest of her storyline will entail, but I think they're trying to grab that sort of American soap audience because, of course, that's her heritage and history and what she's best known for. Um, I'm just a little bit concerned, though, uh, is Toadie currently hooked up with somebody because we know how this pans out when you're on Neighbours. You've got to go through Toadie, yeah. essentially. <laughs> In more ways than one. In more ways than one. <laughs> so will that be like the new hot hookup, Misha Barton and Toadie, driving down the highway to Vermont lucky, every day? Lucky, lucky Jared <laughs> Rebecca. Uh, she's offered a quote about her excitement about joining the team in Neighbours. She said, and I love this quote, I'm excited to be part of this iconic show's next chapter and I'm really looking forward to being back in Australia. Dash, 
a place I know and love. You only say that if you don't oh really have God. any connection to It's a place I know and love. Yeah. I, I love Australia. <laughs> love Australia. I went maybe once. I can't remember. Those press releases are always funny because you and I both know that when you do a new project, Everyone, they, like the publicist will want a quote from you. Yeah. Can we get a quote from Misha? Can we get a quote? And it would have gone right down to the line deadline because I always leave mine to the last minute. She would have been can't writing it on her phone. Anything. Yeah, can't come up with anything <laughs> funny and she's just gone, oh, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Do you want to know got what? Nothing. <laughs> she's literally got nothing to say, and I love that. All we know is that she's American and she's coming to live in Erinsborough, possibly to marry Toadie, who knows? But the mm. EP of Neighbours, Jason Herbison, said um, obviously they're very excited about you know her joining, an actor of her caliber to join this new chapter. Misha's character is dynamic and unpredictable, and will have an instant presence on Ramsey Street. What does that mm. mean? Nothing. <laughs> it's just words. Just words. These press releases are just words that, that they put together and put out. All that, all anyone needs to know is Misha Barton's coming. That's it. We got that. We got the intel. Toadie, look out. How are you feeling about the Or reboot? Harold. Harold Bishop. Maybe it's going to be a hot affair with Harold Bishop. Oh, there was some good content on Batuta Advocate this week about the possibility <laughs> of a hook-up with Harold. <laughs> I mean, who knows? As 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 the press, as the press release says, she's going to have an instant presence, and maybe she's mm. going to have an instant presence in Harold's life. But how do you feel about the reboot of Neighbours? What's your vibe given all the lardy da celebrations, no doubt huge cost, and I guess promises mm. of of the finale and how we all tuned in and cried? How do you and feel cried. about the fact that it's just snapped back? Here, I'm no, fine. We're, we're going anywhere. Are you not annoyed? I'm fine with it. Look, to be honest, I haven't watched Neighbours for years, so I'm not sure I will <laughs> in the future. But I'm into it because it's it's a training ground for some great actors here in this country. It's training ground for crew, but it's also work for people in a time when, you know, people are struggling and I, I've got no problems with it. I don't care. I love a roller coaster of emotions. I've been there. <laughs> I go up, I go down. My every day is like that. So, you know, I'm happy to cry over neighbours and then have them come back next week. How do you feel? You sound like Misha Barton's character. I am. Misha Di- Barton. Dynamic Didn't and unpredictable. To... <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's my press release. <laughs> Uh, I, look, I think that I think that when I heard that the actor who I'm so sorry I've forgotten his name, the actor that does play Toadie, uh, Ryan was his name Ryan's yeah, yeah Ryan. Um, Jar- I know I know his full name <laughs> as a lawyer, Jared Rebecca, but I don't know the actual actor's name. So what does that say about me? Toadie is all of us. But he actually said on the record, and I'm sure that he was kicking himself after he let this little pearl of wisdom and knowledge slip that there was that was always the plan that the big finale was basically a, a to ruse to show Amazon, hey, the, there is love for this show and it is worth backing. So here's three million people tuning into it and it, it deserves a second life. So that was always the plan. And that makes me a little bit cynical. But also the world is a cynical place. The world is business. And like you say, I absolutely agree. Having a, a, a local production that employs so many um, does have a lot of value. Guy Pearce isn't having, having it though. He was kind of mocking it in December when it – was first announced, saying, it's a painful reminder that the things we love can be snatched away, never to return, unless Amazon comes in to save the day and makes our finale look like a rather expensive exercise. He also <laughs> thinks that Margot Robbie should have the crate of champagne that she sent uh, sent back. 
But Amazon, for their part, have denied that it had plans in place to reboot the show before the finale aired. So I don't know where anyone's getting their information, but whatever you think about it, Neighbours is coming back in, I guess, on 10 Play, on Amazon Freevee, whatever that is. It exists. You'll find it. And now Misha Barton exists in its orbit. We haven't spoken about the coronation lately, and that's weird for us because there was a while there where we were going full turbo royal, weren't we? Every Mm. week there was Mm. another royal bit of news, which is very unlike us. No, it's not at all. We love it. As I've always said, (laughs) hate the monarchy, detest the monarchy, obsessed with the royals. I'm not entirely sure why. But, yes, we've got the coronation happening, and it's actually happening the week I fly into London for Eurovision. Oh, my God. I know. Imagine, Imagine who's tra- going to be on your flight. Oh, Carrie Ann Kennelly, I don't know. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else care? I don't think they do, do they? Do we care here about the coronation? I'm sorry. Did you watch what happened when the Queen died? There were hundreds of Australian media that headed over. There's going to be that media covering this. That is true. And I know that was There's... a massive and, and very notable death, but Australian media absolutely loves sucking at the teat of the royal family. They are going to be over there <laughs> and they are going to be covering all this more than you want them to. It's going to be wall-to-wall like coronation. Mi- can, I, can I just say, though, I also do think, and, and I don't mean to be disrespectful of the dead and, and the role that Queen Elizabeth played in every in many people's lives, but the the media coverage was too much by the end, and that was that was in a way I think I think they overestimated the interest here in Australia. So yes. it was like the ABC had two weeks of it going on, and so did all the other channels. And we were like, oh god, make it stop. Yeah, so maybe it will be a different approach for the coronation. You could be right. Maybe yeah, they'll, they'll have some learnings from that experience. Oh yes, yes, that's true. Oh look, Koshi will be there surely. Yes, surely he'll be on the plane. He'll be up in first class. So. Um, yeah, I won't be having any interactions with him, I'm sure. Um, I don't know who else. Sonia Kruger, she, she'll be there. Yes, she Krugs. Yeah, they'll all be there. Actually, they'll all be there. What am I thinking? Yeah, they'll all be there. And I reckon some of them will be on your plane. I'm very excited to hear about the outcome of that on the other side of that. We will be catching up with you on Bang On for some oh, yeah. of the time um, that you're there for Eurovision. But in the lead up to it, we've already talked about the fact that they couldn't really get a headline act to perform they have, mm. though, named what the official dish will be. Not served in any kind of fancy dinner, but more a kind of commemorative coronation recipe, which the yeah, last time this happened was, I guess, in the 50s, 50 right? something, yeah. yeah. And they had coronation chicken, which um, looks freaking terrible, to be honest. There's not a vegetable in sight when I see a picture of coronation chicken, but essentially it was... Quite a delicious dish for those days because it incorporated a, a few herbs and spices. It was like chicken with almonds, curry powder, mayonnaise and um, in a way that kind of apparently was quite delicious. I've never had coronation chicken. Sounds rank. but I think it apricots were involved as well. Yeah, I think there was apricots in there. It could be the beginnings of the apricot chicken that our parents used to make us in the 70s. I didn't realise I hadn't put the two and two together. So there is a commemorative meal, but obviously these days, you know, you've got to cover all your bases. You've got to make sure everyone's happy with with what's put out there in the messaging. And, and, and they've, I think they've really overthought the commemorative meal that people can cook for the day because I'm just going to say one word or maybe two, absolute fizzer. <laughs> It's a fizzer. What is it? It's it's a quiche, <laughs> coronation quiche, and it's not even 
like a good quiche. There's no, there's no butter. There's no meat, obviously, and and that's fine. But there's also, from what I can tell, absolutely no flavour. I mean, which is very English, I have to say. No, disres- <laughs> no disrespect to the English. I've lived there for a couple of years, and and it's in my blood too. But spinach, broad beans, tarragon. That's a herb. Not it. That's a herb, but it's not a flavour. <laughs> and cheese and egg. That's it. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's like I wouldn't buy that at a, you know, when you're at a cafe and there's nothing left, there's always that quiche though. <laughs> the coronation quiche is what's left and if you are starving, you'll eat it. That's the only reason you'd eat it because it's all dried up, doesn't look great, doesn't taste great, but you just need food. This is the coronation chicken. I, I just can't fathom. What were they thinking? What were they thinking, Zan? I think they were thinking play it safe. And for the reasons that you talked about, the, the herbs and spices, they were able to, back in the 50s, maybe more so, celebrate the colonies in a way that they probably don't and don't want to um, well, today for obvious yeah, reasons. Yeah, because colonialism is <laughs> terrible and it is exactly what the monarchy is based on. And the only reason that they exist in any kind of position of power is because of colonial, I can't even say it, colonialism. And so, yeah, they're trying to distance themselves from that. And look at what we get. This, is, this is Brexit in, in, in one dish. This is what the best of the British in one quiche and I think it's also something that has been thought of deeply when you think about, like some of the articles I've seen kicking around in the last two weeks are about uh, how King Charles is selling off some of the Queen's old racehorses that were gifts from various Saudi royals, um, but they were oh. personal gifts, so they're keeping the cash. He's also got millions and millions of dollars worth of, of cars. So you've got Private this cars. again, this you know, all of this rhetoric in the media around this very wealthy family who don't pay any tax, who are just there because they were born into it. So what they've then turned around to do is say, here's a quiche that everyone can make. It's pretty cheap. You can find it in your own backyard in terms of the veggies that you grow in your own backyard if you're lucky to have a backyard in, in the UK. And also, doesn't it seem just nice? It's not. It's inoffensive. It's just fine. Mm. There's nothing here. There's nothing controversial. It's just nice. There's a new king and that's nice. And that's what this quiche is saying <laughs> and nothing more. And the colonies, no, we're not talking about the colonies. It's just nice. Look at oh, the quiche. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Oh, I won't be cooking that and I won't be serving it. I thought the quiche looked nice. I don't mind a bit of quiche. See, nice. It's nice. See, I hate quiche. Quiche is like the Why last choice. Why do you hate choice. quiche? What is it? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean It's not like a slice. It's not like a like it. It's just got bad pastry and some innards. And that's it. Innards. And it's just flat, like as in a bit of egg and like, you know, it's, I don't know. It's not like a Spanish frittata that's got a bit of interest in there. And it's always the last thing left at the shop. And I think that's why I'm not here for it. I, Which it's in itself scraps. is kind of an analogy for King Charles, isn't it? Because he literally had to wait until he was left last on the shelf till the very last moment. <laughs> He's the quiche of the modern monarchs. He is the quiche. Maybe it's the most appropriate meal they've ever had. Yeah, I reckon it is. I'd eat it. Mm. Eat the rich. (laughs) Ah, There it is. There (laughs) it is. Now you're lost, lost in the heat of it all. Girl, you know you're lost, lost in the thrill of it all.
Coachella Music Festival kicked off over the weekend. It goes over two weekends. And this year, for the first time, the festival is streaming most of the sets that happen. Not all of them. You didn't get to see Björk. And we'll explain in just a moment one of the planned streams uh, was supposed to happen but didn't at the very last moment. Before we chat about this experience of this massive festival in the polo field in the desert, have you ever been to Coachella, Miff? Yes, I have. Oh, my God. When did you go? Gosh, I went. I know you went to Old Cella. I went to Old Cella. I've been to Coachella. Nina Las Vegas played. It was a year, it was like 2016, I think, was when I went. Oh, God, I can't even remember who headlined. That's how, that's how, it's big. It's huge. It takes forever to get in. It takes forever to get out. It was my worst nightmare. And I had like (laughs) top tier VIP tickets. I hated it. It took forever to get from stage to stage. It was I mean, the the level of Instagram was a thing back then, but the level of like, oh, Instagramming going on at that point was almost too much for me. Like I was, I thought, oh, I'm I'm too old for this, way too old for all of this. I mean, the the brilliant thing about Coachella is though, if you feel that way, there's all sorts of other things uh, that you can see. Like the lineup is huge. Mm. It's like again overwhelming. It's just a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot. But you know, you can see can see Mavis Staples. I, I saw Mavis Staples next to, you know, whoever else was appearing that year. Um, you can pick and choose and make it work for you. But for me, it's it was too much. I've, I'm, I'm done with festivals anyway, I think. so. And that was back in 2016. I don't think I'd ever <laughs> go again. Well, it's kind of convenient these days because it is streamed, as I said, for so many people. I watched some of the streams over the weekend and it, it kind of had a weird effect on me because I was keen because there were so many big headliners and the timing of it worked out so that those big headliners were kind of dropping around the sort of late afternoon. So, you know, it was a bit of a shitty weekend weather-wise in Melbourne. I was able just to chuck it on, get snug, and then watch these headliners. Mm. But it had this strange effect on me where I don't want to say triggered, and I'm very conscious of that after our Therapy Speak article thing last week, but it really reminded me of lockdown in a bad way. And there were many times where I bought tickets to special live streams to support artists to to be part of this new world that we were navigating all together um, and also to experience live music. And some of them were better than others, but capturing a festival where you know from experience what it's like, having that thumping beat in your chest, having the sound of the crowd around you, people singing along, people screaming, cheering, just that energy. None of that was there in this live stream for Coachella, Mm. you know, and credit to them for having the – I guess, the resources to capture it all. But, and I hate to say this and be critical, but it wasn't very interestingly done. It was kind of very locked off sort of okay. shots of the stage. They didn't have the audience mic'd up that much. You couldn't hear any bass. And it just made me kind of sad and wanting. Aww. But that also on the flip side made me think, oh, my God, thank God we have live music back. Thank God we can experience this, that we can go out mm. and commune and what a joy it is to be in that space. But, of course, at the very end of the weekend, which for us clocked in around Monday afternoon time, Frank Ocean was supposed to headline his first show in six years, his first potential new music he was going to play in in about as long. And it all went a bit ass up. He was an hour late when he came out on stage. He shuffled out in slippers, apparently. Um, He wasn't very... They are fashionable, though. Come on. They are very fashionable, and I salute the slippers. And and I know Frank Ocean is fashion. He is fashion, it's true. He is so fashion. 
but he was kind of staying at the back of the stage where they almost had this sort of like triangular nest of screens and he just kind of popped Mm. out one of the holes down the bottom. But for many people who were in this, as you know, massive space, he was quite concealed. You couldn't really see him. And when he did perform, he had remixed, reworked versions of all his songs. He did a Bob Dylan, basically, where he just makes all of his songs kind of unrecognisable or just messes with them, which um, you know, I appreciate that energy. But also, if you've been anticipating someone and potentially bought tickets for the whole festival to see them, you'd probably be pissed off at that. And he sat on a stool a lot. And it caused a bit of controversy, didn't it? People were, were not that impressed with, with Frank Ocean. Yeah. From what we know, though, um, it was set up to have an ice skating rink where lots of people would be performing and putting on quite a show because I think he's done his ankle very, very recently. And so therefore the ice skating rink was cut at the last minute. So some poor person had to defrost the ice. Goodness knows what they did with all the water. It is the desert, so it doesn't matter. But it's probably they've someone shipped it in from somewhere and then someone had to defrost it. But there, I think there were a lot of issues Essentially, and also to um, maybe he hadn't factored in the the emotional impact of performing there because he used to go with his little brother who died mm. uh, in 2020. So I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things that may have contributed to it being not a great performance on many, many levels. And these things we'll probably never know because, you know, I haven't got a direct line to Frank to see how he's feeling. Surprised. But we found out he's now cancelled the second Yeah, as I was coming in this morning, got the news that he has pulled out of the second weekend. It's the same weekend, like the exact same lineup for two weekends in a row. That's what they do every mm. year. And, yes, in a statement he said on doctor's advice he will not perform due to fractures and a sprain in his left leg. He says it was chaotic of the Sunday show. There is some beauty in chaos. It isn't what I intended to show, but I did enjoy being out there and I'll see you soon. Yeah. I feel a bit sorry for him. I think I think it all went a bit wrong. Then it all got past him. He said, no live stream. So, of course, people are turning on him there. But you know those people that go, I bought tickets to Coachella just for Frank Ocean and I've wasted my money. I'm like, no, you didn't. You didn't go just for Frank Ocean. You've gone for Coachella. There's like 75,000 artists on this bill. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. No time for him, Miff. No time. Whinging. Just whinging. <laughs> he's, had, he's had a hard time of it. He, something's gone wrong. We need to have a little bit more empathy, I think. That's, yeah, I like that's, that. That's my call on it. Okay, again, therapy speak, have more empathy. And always people have shit going on. Whatever is going on, Frank is not having mm. a good time of it. Someone did actually come to the rescue, though, for any of us, including me, who were curious about what was happening on stage as Frank Ocean took to the stage uh, an hour after his scheduled time. A little angel by the name of Morgan Lee, who is an 18-year-old who lives in South Carolina, did fly from home in South Carolina to see Frank Ocean at Coachella. That's the reason that she went along. And Mm. she was basically there. I mean, first of all, she turns up really early, and I know this because she's given a chat to Pitchfork off the back of her angel activities, her service to the nation, nay the Mm. world, in live streaming this Frank Ocean set via her Instagram stories. She got to Coachella at 9am, waited in the sun until the gates opened for that particular area at midday, so three hours in the sun, sprints to the barricade, and we've all had that time in our life where we've gates are open, run to the front, and I'm staying here. And that's where she sat from midday for 11 hours, her and her friends 
minding that spot by the barricade so they could see Frank Ocean. Didn't see a skerrick, not one other act that day. They were just there in front of that barricade waiting for Frank. So she decides as her friends back home realise that she's there and want to see videos. They're like, send us videos, send us videos. She's like, oh, I can't be bothered sending a bunch of videos. I'm just going to go live and you can watch it as it happens. Someone posts the link to her Instagram and by the time Frank Ocean comes on stage, the world watched. 130,000 people watching her Instagram Holy story, shit. including me. And I was yeah. surprised the whole time. I was like, geez, it's holding up. Like it dropped out a few times. It's like, <laughs> how is this not completely crashing her Instagram? And how is, I guess everyone has their phones up. So the the people yeah. at Coachella would have no idea who it is that's live streaming this whole set, even though he's yeah. chosen not to. And she just went hell for leather. And she had her her stream happening with no talking in the background. Can you imagine the pressure, Miff? The pressure oh. of beaming out this broadcast from your hand, from and your phone. The numbers go up. <laughs> and people messaging her because they're all just like oh having a God. chat, asking her questions. She wouldn't have enjoyed the set at all. She's come out no, and she's become this work. Like unofficial broadcaster of Frank Ocean set at Coachella. <laughs> that sounds like work. She said, did you know that famous people were watching it as those uh, numbers hit 130,000? Morgan says in this interview with Pitchfork, somebody said Lord was in my live. I couldn't check the views, but I was like, Lord, if you're in here, I love you. Was it hard to stand at the front and hold your phone up that long? Morgan says, oh, of course. Even right now, I can't feel my legs. I was prepared to not be able to really do anything at all this week. My flight landed at six this morning and I went straight to school. Morgan for oh, president. Morgan 2024. Yeah. How good is she? That's great. That's great. Good on her. And she's good a musician as well. So she's just gone in the thick of it and just put, you know, pushed out this beautiful stream and um, live in the dream while also possibly getting severe RSI in her hand from holding her phone up for potentially two hours. Are there any like legal implications or ramifications for doing something like that? You can't police anyone. Everyone's on their phones. You can't, you know, you've got certain artists like Jack White who makes you lock up your phones, like literally put them in a sealable bag before you go into a gig so there's no phones at gigs. But you can't do that at Coachella. That is Coachella. Coachella is social media. You know, you build the culture. You can't then kill the culture. You live in the culture you create. And that culture Mm. is people live streaming Frank Ocean's set from their phone. Good on her. Hey, speaking of phone things, you sent me a couple of very interesting things about TikTok. And as our bang on TikTok expert, because I've still not downloaded the app, can you explain mm. what the frig is going on with these food trends? Oh, good. I thought you were going to ask me to explain TikTok. <laughs> it's like, geez, Zan, you've really let this one slide. Oh, I was like, oh, how do I, where do I start? I got scared. Um, there's a whole bunch of things going on on TikTok and one of them is food trends. Now, these trends are considered to be disgusting food trends, basically. And there's a great article in The Guardian at the moment called The Disgusting Food of TikTok. Is it designed to eat, provoke or arouse? And it's basically people doing repulsive recipes and people get sucked in because basically what, what you're doing while you're watching it is going, no, you're not doing, oh, no, 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 no. And they, what they do is take a form or a food that you know and love and mix it in with something else that shouldn't go or wouldn't go or doesn't work. And there's lots of sounds and it's it's very um, ASMR, mm. uh, but it's also visually a bit of a journey. 
and it does. It combines those those three things. There's repulsion and fascination. So first you, you go to be overwhelmed or provoked and then you become fascinated and then you're locked in and you've got to see the end. And obviously content creators make money the longer you stay. Yes. So that's the whole dream. And there's been one in the last couple of weeks that I watched and, and some absolute dill, I'm going to call her. She's an absolute <laughs> dill. She put her pasta, like good spaghetti, normal dried spaghetti, in a whisk, whizzers, whatever they're called. What are they called? Food, food processor. That's it. Okay. Um, a whizzer. I'm a bit tired. A whizzer. <laughs> she put her spaghetti in there and basically just ground it to flour and then used that with an egg to make her own pasta again. Why? Thicker. Exactly. Why? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So we, of, of course, I watched. Going, you're an idiot. What? What are you doing? And that's how they make money. That's how they get views. And it's this so... is why I'm not on TikTok because I, I can know. feel my mortality just d- 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 circling around a drain and disappearing, and never will it return. That time yeah. I'll never get back. No. And there was another one that I watched too, which was. Oh, but even thinking about it makes me feel sick. And I don't even know why because it's actually quite fine. The cooking tool that was used to cook the food is actually probably quite fine, but I can't get my head around it. Dishwasher brisket. What? Some guy oh, is God, putting I'm just picturing his it. brisket in a dishwasher. And you know how it's like boiling water temperature. You no. obviously don't put the soap in. And they cook their freaking brisket in the dishwasher, pull out the – and there's this sort of jelly it, – it, it's wobbling because it's just been boiled oh. essentially or steamed. No, it's been washed. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> the outcome looked quite fine and edible but uh, – I can't handle it. I cannot handle it. So essentially what they're doing is creating stuff for you to be fascinated and disgusted by, but then you stick with it. And then if it's surprising, it will you'll share it and that's why it's successful. And apparently it's these videos are very high in terms of arousal uh, and oh. not sexual, obviously, but like they get you going, you know, yeah. not, in a, not in a sexy way. Although there is a little bit of fetish stuff going on, this disgusting food of TikTok. There's... Oh, this stuff is rank. Like, there's this one guy who basically, you know, makes gorgeous food. It looks amazing, but he's, you know, two egg yolks. He's putting his fingers between two egg yolks in a bowl, and uh, uh, it's oh, it's gross. Like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I, just, I just can't. I can tell and, you're reliving every one of these as you describe it. <laughs> I know, but I've watched the entire thing and that's the problem. I, they're really they're talking about it as a movement, as if it's it is very, very conscious. Um and also to creates that whole world of reaction videos, which we also love. I think yes. some woman was stuffing a pumpkin with a chicken and, and, and Gordon Ramsay responded to it saying, you know, this is just salmonella waiting to happen yeah. kind of thing <laughs> as only he could with his tone. And the, the content makers themselves don't even care that these recipes aren't great. They're having fun but also, you know, quite clearly raking in the coin. 
Would it be something that, remember there was, you know, there's been a few of these, but there was that dish that went TikTok viral where it was the feta in the middle of the tray and then the tomatoes around all that sort of stuff and then you basically just bake it and it's kind of like a one one tray, oh, one Sam, dart. That was, that was back in the wholesome days of I 2020. Know, I know. That's, that's, wholesome food content of 2020 when we... I made that it, at home and it was really tasty. It's really nice. <laughs> I know. Things have changed since then, Zan. So no one's actually recreating that. these. These are just like absolutely cooked ideas that it's just for pure... Just outrage, outrage, entertainment, shock yeah. value. No one's actually making these dishes. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not doing brisket beef in my <laughs> dishwasher. And if anyone does, you are disgusting. <laughs> and you're never visiting again. <laughs> Imagine that, though, if you had a dinner party and someone just said, oh, dinner's ready. <laughs> Opened up the dishwasher. It's just like the, the worst kind of corned beef ever. Like corned beef's bad enough whether it, but without actually cooking it inside a dishwasher. Oh, no. And can you imagine the smell, the lingering smell throughout the dishwasher uh, for washes afterwards? Just like, oh, the cups uh, taste a bit gamey today. It's just yeah. disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. You know, that is disgusting. You're right. You're absolutely right. But this leads us on to something else that's going on on TikTok, which is called Water Talk. Oh, yeah, I'm fascinated by Water Talk. And this is a particularly American thing where predominantly women, predominantly apparently white women from the South are doing this. I'm not sure why that's a thing, but um, I think it's important to know that it's possibly a cultural thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's, again, very ASMR. There's a lot of ice. Mm. There's a lot of pouring of water. It all sounds great. But essentially what they're doing is putting powders usually some sort of diet powder flavouring mm. full of aspartame and whatever into these drinks. So it's tang. They're just doing different <laughs> versions different versions of tang and I'm going, did you not grow up with tang or like Kia Aura 50-50 when you put a bit of cordial in a drink? Like that's all it is. And yet they're making these concoctions and sharing them and people are watching and loving and I'm like, what is wrong with us? It's elevated tang. It's elevated tang. It's just not exactly. And it makes absolutely no sense. And I think from what we've discovered, there's a great article by Rolling Stone and weirdly this is in Rolling Stone. I had no idea why Rolling Stone would be covering water top. They cover but everything anyway, these days. Here we are. Here we are. And I, I think it's very tied up again. As a lot of this stuff, as it emerges, it's tied up in diet culture. Yes. And it's a lot of people who have to hit water goals if they've had perhaps uh, some sort of gastric bypass surgery. And so they're, they're finding easier ways to consume that water. But it's also, it could also be tied into disordered eating, people trying to fill up with water. So like everything, the joy, you know, at first I was watching them going, this is cute. This is cute here, all the ice cubes. And go, it sounds really good. I like this. But then it's like, oh, no, we're really messed up, aren't we? Some of the flavours, though, are wild. Tang is one thing because that's like what mm. is – tang is like a, a tangy kind of citrus flavour, right? That's the sort of vibe mm, of Delicious. It, not completely out of the question in terms of thinking about what you drink. But the flavours that they're making and the way that Water Talk seems to work after you sent me down this rabbit hole, I did actually look at <laughs> TikTok on my desktop computer, I will tell you, because I'm a true boomer, watching TikTok through my computer. But the flavours are all things that actually represent – 
I guess, what you consider cheat foods, really fatty cakes and sundaes and stuff. Here's an example of one of the more well-known water tockers and the concoctions that they make. I have my 30-ounce cup today. Okay, so for the packets, you're going to take your sun-kissed pineapple or you could use crush. You're going to pour that whole thing into the cup and you're going to put about a tablespoon of banana syrup into the cup and do about a tablespoon of coconut into the cup as well. After the cake flavor, we're going to go in with vanilla almond. Okay, now time for the taste test. This is so good. Oh. Hummingbird cake water myth. Isn't that what you want to have to quench your thirst? Hummingbird cake water? <laughs> no. What is wrong with people? It's just cooked. Like, just water is good. Fruit. Just drink water. I know I sound really old here, but just water is so good and that will quench your thirst. Just eat fruit and if not, go to Boost. Get yourself a juice. <laughs> you don't have to have a powdered version. You, we, we, we've developed now. You can... You can have a fruit juice drink. Also, just I mean, as an aside, tang is great. having that much artificial sweetener, it gives you the squirts. Like you can Does get it? The, yeah, if you have en masse, it's going to give you the squirts. Like it'll... Maybe that's also the point. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what are you banging on about this week? Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having my, um, my pine lime cordial. Um, what am I banging on about this week? I better f- I better remember. Chocolate Sunday water. <laughs> Yuck. Blech. Blech. What am I banging on about? Oh. <laughs> it's the new Netflix series Beef, uh, which is getting lots and lots of people very, very excited. Uh, it stars Ali Wong and Stephen Nguyen and it's a great, little drama about two people who've come from different worlds. Uh, It's an entirely Asian cast set in America, but these two characters have come from completely different worlds. The Ali Wong character is is very, very well-to-do, but she's overwhelmed by this life that she's created where she doesn't get to enjoy any of the benefits of that life and she's about to kind of blow up under the surface and the Stephen Nguyen character has... Basically, a lot of pressures on him. His business is not thriving. He has no money. He's he's really on the edge. And these two have had a an altercation in a car park, and this is their beef. It goes from there, and it's essentially a series about how much damage can you do to someone without actually physically damaging them. And it's actually quite fascinating, and it's a great little drama. I'm really enjoying it. I'm only halfway through it so far, and um, yeah, it's fantastic. So I'm giving that one. Two thumbs up from here, from the green room. (laughs) How good was that review? Oh, my God. Two thumbs up. So are they basically enacting revenge on each other each episode, just going like trying to one-up each? Yeah, right. I've heard a lot of people talk about how great this series is. I'm keen. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Um, Sadly, though, one of the characters, uh, David Cho, has had a video resurfaced in the last couple of weeks that showed him making a joke or discussing a, a sexual assault that he was allegedly involved in. It comes from him and he has said that this is part of his, you know, his, he was a bad podcaster in 2015 and he said it's part of his art and it's part of his whole thing about, um, you know, being controversial and that he made it up. But mm. essentially we don't really know the answer to that. Uh, so that's come up and a lot of people are really kind of disappointed to find that out given they're enjoying the TV series so much. Bit on the nose. Mm, mm. Yeah, I felt really uncomfortable when I when I saw that. I was like, oh, God, are you one of those guys who think it's funny? Even still, to make jokes about something like that, I think 
that's probably not great. But um, aside from that, if you can put that aside as a TV series, um, it's also it's great to see Ali Wong just she's in so a, good. In a, in a big role and loving it and, yeah, being brilliant. And, and also it's it's pretty dark too, which I think is a wonderful thing too. That always appeals to me. Unreal. Um, Keen. What are you banging on about? I've been listening. See, I remembered that. Thank you. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> ten points. Ten out of ten for Miff. Sleepless but still on it. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. I've been out in the garden and just whenever I have to do any chores around the house, I just stick the little headphones in and, and have a listen. And I listened to this whole podcast last weekend and actually found things to do so I could just keep listening to it, like went for longer walks. Oh, it was that. that good. It's the new podcast by one of my favourite journalists and storytellers, John Ronson, who you might remember has done a lot of different podcasts. He's kind of in that same realm as Louis Theroux, John Safran, that sort of vibe in terms of, of, of journalism and the and particularly the topics he interrogates. Um, and like them, he's Jewish and he often interrogates a lot of white supremacy and, and neo-Nazis because he's just fascinated by people who hate a large group of people for no apparently good reason. So that's what the subject of this new podcast is called The Debutante. And the idea around this is that 30 years ago, John stumbled onto the story of this woman, Carol Howe, who was a really charismatic, former debutante woman in Tulsa, a young woman who then turned white supremacist spokeswoman and undercover informant. And there's some tie in her world to the Oklahoma City bombing by Timothy McVeigh. So it's long game, but he's come full circle and he's trying to figure out just who she is and what part she had to play or not play in this bombing or in sharing the knowledge of those people who were involved with it. Here's the trailer just to give you a bit of a sense of it. This is the story of a Tulsa debutante who, as a result of a series of unlikely and often very bad life choices, found herself in the midst of one of the most terrible crimes that ever took place in America. A massive car bomb exploded outside of a large federal building in downtown Oklahoma City, shattering that building, killing children, killing federal employees, military men and civilians. I remember vividly that she was very petrified of being killed. I can make you one of the most influential women in this country. If you listen to me and do things my way. She's one of the only people who knew enough that had people listened, she could have possibly changed the outcome of the Oklahoma City bombing. So John's basically gone back, spoken to people who were involved in um, a compound that allegedly Timothy McVeigh visited in the lead up to the bombings. He's spoken to detectives and journalists who are working on the case and he's unearthed uh, things that he hadn't heard before, you know, rare court tapes that people had, like the stenographer had recorded that had never made its way into the public realm, but she just recorded it for her own notes and she gave him access to that. Um, undercover surveillance audio, things in strip clubs, all this different sort of stuff. And the reason that he's telling this story now, I think, is because he has that, but all, and also it's never been answered, but there are a lot of parallels to the rise of white supremacy today. And again, like everything cyclical, you sort of see that and you're like, God, history repeating again in the worst of ways. Um, it talks about the rise of the internet, about how communities form and how these 
communities become more and more extreme left and right and what happens in in that realm. So I just think for all of those reasons, why tell a story about a bombing that happened in the kind of early to mid-90s and the fallout from that? Why tell it now in 2023? It's for all of those reasons and more. And he just tells stories like no one else. I love John Ronson and I just was gripped till the very end and he's got a lovely voice to listen to as well so highly recommend it i listened to the whole thing last weekend it's called the debutante it's on audible which means you do need to be a subscriber it's one of those podcasts on audible but often with audible if you haven't already used up your free trial you can just jump on and have a free trial for like great a month so if you've never done that before and you want to dive in this is a great reason to do that i loved it the debutante so good brilliant well, I don't know what the hell you're going to be getting up to in the next seven days, which famous musical playwrights you're going to be hanging out with, what <laughs> dog parks you're going to discover. I'm excited, though. I'm excited for your next week in Adelaide. Oh, I'm excited. I love Adelaide. I'm, I'm, I'm moving to every city in Australia as we go on the tour. Every, I'm like, Myth I could on tour. Here. I could live here. That's, I mean, I, you know, it's not about the parties or the bars or whatever anymore. It's just like, okay. How close am I to the city? How easy is it to get around? How good are the dog parks? And tick, 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 Adelaide. And what a city to dine in as well. So many good eats oh my there. God. So many good eats. But I work nights, so I don't really get to go out for dinners oh, yeah. as much. And Monday and Tuesdays are my days off now. So restaurants, you find, don't really open on yeah. Mondays and Tuesdays. <laughs> All right. Well, if you see me for the dog park, say hi. Yeah. And uh, I'll see you next week. See you next week, Sam. Bye, babes. Bye. Mm-mm. Bang on. I love it when you Mm-mm. sing along. Done. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.